0: Tan talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State.
2: Here come the cops.
0: Let's get out of here, Woo! Let me remind you folks to be sure and listen to the hurricane thing on K-A-R-C Radio Free Lions. dum dum Let me drive. It takes a lot of strength to depress this clutch. This car can get away
1: from you. I'm none of these local guys never let you take the wheel. They were afraid it would get away
0: from me.
1: I see your driver's license, miss.
0: Alright. so <laughs> come go with me. No! Sawed a few teeth off? Sorry. How am I doing? Worked your way up to dangerous. me all sh- right you can get off <laughs> it now t- 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 <laughs> <laughs> who's next
1: set the way back machine yes sir mr peabody hey i'm christy lee
0: from all girls garage and barrett jackson on velocity and you're listening to nostalgic radio and cars
1: Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Reading Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run to your computers on Google, Tantalk, 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out NostalgicReadingCars.com. Good evening,
2: Bobby. How are you? Uh, I'm doing
1: well, and yes, that is the website did i do that flawlessly this time i was i was
2: impressed yes wow that's, that's where was, you go
1: without any interruption see that's because i am focused
2: today you are uh, yes. today. <laughs> I'm, today <I> am.
1: <laughs> okay well ladies and gentlemen boys and girls sports car fans car fans just any kind of fan that likes motorized vehicles you're tuned into nostalgic radio and cars and uh like i said before i'm your show host robert and with my trusty co-host bobby Hey, oh, host Okay.
2: Yeah, we're your co-host tonight. All right. Well, okay. you know,
1: right. Production, production engineer, co-host, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so uh, well, this past weekend we went to Bug Jam. When that's not a bunch of cockroaches running around, that's Volkswagens. Well,
2: that is the now the Florida Bug Jam.
1: The Florida Bug Jam, which is an annual event over in uh, Dade City, and uh, I'm trying to think what I did. Saturday. Oh, Saturday I drove down to uh, Sarasota and hung out with a whole bunch of my friends with uh, a Pantera club down there. And that was kind of cool. And that took place at the, um, um, well, actually, Vintage Motorsports, Vintage Motors of Sarasota. And they're connected to the uh, um, Vintage Car Museum that's down there. And I think it's called Sarasota Car Museum. Is that what it is, Bobby? Something like that? Yeah. <coughs> anyway... So that was kind of cool. But before, while I was diddy-bopping down there, every second Saturday of the month at the University Town Center. Did I say that right? UTC, University Town Center Shopping Center, which is right up 75. They have a Cars and Coffee. Now, I went there many, many, many years ago. It was kind of small. And then it grew. And then it grew. Then it got bigger. Then it grew and kept on growing. Now it's something like six, seven hundred cars, and it starts at seven in the morning and goes to about ten, and that's when the mall opens, and then pretty much everybody's trying to get a parking spot so they can shop, particularly now it's during the holidays. And I was pretty much impressed with some of the cars down there. Now you think about that, six, seven hundred cars. We used to go to the Cars and Coffee over here at uh, DuPont Registry, and they probably had yeah, a couple hundred maybe on a good Saturday. And, um, but these guys had like a lot of stuff and you know you got all these car guys moving down here from up north because you can drive your cars here 365 days a year it's pretty cool and uh so i was pretty impressed with some of the stuff that was that. And one car in particular that got my attention was a 65 mercury and in 62 3 4 4 mercury marauder had a well the galaxies had the xls okay and the XL 500s and all that kind of cool stuff. Well, Mercury had what they call the S 22, or S 55, I should say. S 22 was actually a common, and that was kind of like their performance car trimmed out. But you know, an S you could actually I've seen them with small motors in them. So the S 22 or the S 55 doesn't necessarily mean that it is a fast car. It just means it's equipped with a particular trim. Well, in this particular case, in '65, and this was a convertible too, I might add. They didn't. Um, call it S55, they call it something else sport something that's Mm -hmm. a problem when you get older, your memory goes bad but anyway, you can google it 1955, 65 Mercury and uh, and then 66 they brought back the S55 and maybe 67, I'm not sure and you could get anything from straight 6 in that thing 289, which was available back then, 390 um, all the way up to a 427 was available in that thing excuse me well this particular car had a 390 in it. bucket seat console but what, what kind of caught my attention was and it was pretty it was red and it had a name too and I can't remember that either you know, it's uh, my dementia setting in here and um, so it uh, bucket seat console and the seats were kind of like 65 Galaxy slash Thunderbird which is really what they were but the console was kind of neat but what caught my eye was the tachometer Because a tachometer, and like a lot of your cars, your big Galaxies, your big, um, let's just say Chevelles, your Mopars and stuff, they were in in the Pontiacs, notoriously, and Oldsmobiles. They had them in the center of the console, just underneath the dash. They were usually affixed straight so they were like either you know 180 degrees 90 degrees whatever well this in the mercury some cars they actually cocked them a little bit so they would be 270 or something like that they'd be off about you know 30 degrees or something like that so they just kind of angled a little bit to the driver and i've only seen one of those tacks one other time and i think i saw it in the galaxy and the guy that i had it i asked him if that was um a factory option and he didn't know but it, i was kind of the way it looked, because it didn't say, Ford's either say Rotunda, Faria, or something like that, or Ford, and um, I wasn't quite sure, because it didn't really, there was no name on it, but it looked factory, so I asked the guy, I said, hey, so what's the story, is that a factory tech? And he goes, yeah. He says, good eye. Then I also noticed it had a couple other extra goodies in there, it had like, you know, like a Thunderbird will have like, you know, um, seatbelts, belts, will uh, have, uh, you know, a brake warning light, an interior decor light, you know, things like that, so it had some of that stuff, and um, it also had cruise control, which was unusual, and it was a dial on the uh, driver's side just below the dash, so it had a lot of really cool features, so you really had to look at the car and take notice, and then, of course, coincidentally, this guy's had this car since the early 80s, he restored it, or he didn't restore it, but he reconditioned it, and he had all the literature on it and all the brochures and all the paperwork, and it was really interesting, it was an interesting read. So, every once in a while, you find these really cool cars that just kind of catch your attention. And if you really, and the 60s cars are really strong right now. Even the full size cars, all your, you know, 60, 61, 62 Galaxies, your big Chevrolets, your big Pontiacs, your big Mopars, they're hot. And they're really the forerunner. To what we would call a muscle car, you know, because they had the big motors in them. And they made some lightweight versions with fabric glass fenders or aluminum fenders and bumpers and things like that and and, and van seats and stripped down interiors because they're pretty much growth fast cars because they were either used for NASCAR or drag racing. And the debate's still on, you know, because Mopar had their thing for a while, then Pontiac General Motors had their thing for a while, then Ford for a while, then Mercury for a while. It was back and forth, kind of like politics as usual. But nonetheless, they've they've all made their mark over the years. And uh, so the cars are like they're kind of interesting. But anyway, and then, of course, Bug Jam was a lot of fun. And, of course, the first thing I do is go to the swap meet. And what did I find? I found an old vintage Stuart Warner gauge there, you know, a couple of things that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. But a lot of Volkswagen stuff and... You know, it's just—it's a really great event. It's fun for the family, and they did it right. They've got entertainment, got vendors, they got cars, they got a swap meet. Um, that's the way you do an, uh, uh, an automotive event. You know, you have to have a little something there for everybody. And they had new stuff and old stuff, and it was—it's cool. And it's a traditional thing. And I can't remember the first time I went to the Volkswagen thing. And I think it was in maybe Land of Lakes. God, that was back in the 80s. And then it's just evolved and evolved and evolved and evolved, you know. So it's a pretty cool show. And Volkswagens have a very, very strong following. But anyway, so what's coming up? We got Renegers, If you're into antiques and stuff, that's this weekend in M- Mount Dora, Boultrie Georgia. Big swap meet there. The Villages car show this weekend. And a big shout out to my friends of Fast Lane Travel. If you uh, have a, if you win the lottery and you got a lot of money and you want to take a really, really special tour to Europe, and visit the Porsche factory or the BMW factory or the uh, Audi factory or Mercedes factory and then drive through some amazing roads through the Alps and through Switzerland and through Italy and and uh, places like that, Germany and Austria, um, definitely hook up with our friends over there at Fastlane Travel. Google Fastlane Travel.com. Um, of course, if you really want to know where all the car shows are, just Google F L A com, and you'll find all the car shows that are, you know, here in the Beautiful sunshine state of Florida. On that note, I think what I'm going to do, if uh, Bobby's ready, we're going to go ahead and cue up a song or two. Oh,
2: we actually are.
1: We see. are? Oh, okay. So I think this song is by the Sonics, and it's called Strict 9, right? Because we got a very special guest for you later this afternoon, and we're kind of into the old-school hot-rodding thing right now. So... Uh, Enjoy this. This is kind of a cool classics, early 60s hip song. Don't touch it out. We'll be right back. Tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back and you tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show ho 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 host Robert. The hostess the host with the most, as they say. Right Bobby. Yes. Well, Alan just called in. Of course, if we ever... Now, I will say this about Alan. Alan's my old buddy. and Once in a while, we'll have, we have him on the show. We haven't been on here in a while, and I know he's listening right now. Thanks, Alan. And um, we always have this debate. I will say that he is definitely more well-read than I am. But we always debate on who knows more about cars. Now, mechanically, yeah, I'd say he probably does. But the in the broader spectrum of things, I think that's... Uh, it's close. But nonetheless, he pointed out and he called in and he pointed out in the break there that in the nineteen sixty three Thunderbird owners is it the owner's manual, Bobby? Is that what he said it was? Yes. In the owner's manual, it one. actually shows that tack, lists that tack as a factory option. Now I did not know that. And and I'm more surprised because it's a Thunderbird. Because knowing the the dash arrangement on the sixty three Thunderbird, now sixty three I hope he's right on the 63 because the bullet bird was 61, 62, 63. So in their console, there might have been room for that dash. But on the 64, 65, 66, I don't think there would have been room on the dash. And I'm sure I'm going to get a text here in a minute because the dash runs up at an angle on that. Unless they put it on the I mean, you know, where the console runs up, unless, unless they did it on the top of the dash, which some of them did, like the rotundas that were, like you got a Shelby, for example, or you got the Sport package and a Falcon, they would have done it, or Comet. Alan must be on the phone. Dealer accessories. That's a dealer accessory? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I, 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 well, you, you can patch him through for a second. 8,000 RPM. 8,000 RPM. Okay. Anyway, all right. So, see, see, this is why this is good to have this radio show, because we have an expert that calls in from time to time and will correct me, the... Uh, kind of got that knows a little bit about cars. But anyway, which is interesting because when you go to, like, for example, like websites like uh, online auctions, like and I'll use Bring a Trailer as an example, a lot of times I like to read the comments. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of tire kickers on there that don't know what they're talking about. But you get a lot of people that actually do, and they point out things, little nuances, little subtle things, and some specifics that are very, very important relative to the car that's being auctioned off. And I like that because it helps me kind of learn a little bit because a lot of times I'll scratch my head and go, wow, I didn't know that. Or I might debate the issue myself. But nonetheless, that's where we're at. So having said that, I think it's just about time to go ahead and get our guests on the line. And I think Bobby's going to go ahead and cue that up. And uh, what's I already told everybody what's going on this weekend. But Ghost anyway. On the
2: highway. Huh? Ghost on the Highway. Now. Oh, we got a song? We do.
1: We do. What's the name of the song?
2: Ghost on the Highway.
1: Ghost on the Highway. Now this is by kind of like a... Actually it's a Los Angeles or was a kind of like a Los Angeles garage band. It uh, kind of goes along with our other song we played by the Sonics. Um strict nine, but anyway, so it's Ghost on the Highway. And what's the name of the band? The Gun? The Gun Club. The Gun Club. Okay. Hey your tune into nostalgia greeting cars, don't touch that dial. We will be right back, I promise you, with our special guest for the evening. We got a, some good music. My eyes are black
0: holes in Slaughtered your loving man, killed him in his sleep, and the bloody kind of, of your murder. Simply you stays cheese. Your ghost on the highway Your gestures meaningless Your loss to the living man Trace souls to the end. You thought winning as a woman, met failing as friends. Is not an odd statement to drown a few passionate men. You made yourself a diamond to lie on your mere size. You claim to go, say want to shine. You deserve to walk the line. Your goddess, father, the highway. Your gesture's meaningless. Your lost forever to the living men. Training souls to the So, when I start, that you never move me on a swap of what you really are. I don't on so that highway You are like strong And I hate you, but I love you. Now, I don't care about you end We've ever with you a thing. Hello? Let me ask you something.
3: Oh, I guess I have to wait. Okay. What's the most you ever lost in a calling to us? Look, I need to know what I
0: stand to win. Everything. Just call it friend-o. what's in we'll the satchel? Full of money. He's just a guy who happened to find that money. I got a bad feeling, Willen. It's a
1: mess, ain't it,
2: Sheriff?
0: It ain't, it'll do till the mess gets here. I'm looking for Llewellyn Moss. You go up to his trailer? Yes. Do
3: you want to leave a message?
0: Yes. If I don't come back, you tell Mother I love her. Your mother's dead. Well, then I'll tell her myself. Got a loose skin in here.
2: You think there's boy Moss? Got any notion of the sorts of dead are hunting
0: him? I don't know, he ought to. He's seen the same things I've seen and it certainly made an impression on me. Just how dangerous is it? Compared to what? The bubonic plague? The crime you see now, it's hard to even take its measure. It's just all out war. what's coming. What's this guy supposed to be, the ultimate badass? You don't understand.
2: Hey, this is Chip Foose, and you're listening to Nostalgic
1: Radio and Cars. Rock on. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our uh, special guest for the evening. The gentleman is a, I'm going to break it down like he's a vintage automotive landscape artist, and his specialty is traditional hot rods with a little mid-century and futuristic, uh architecture flavoring so to speak so i'm delighted to welcome the show this uh evening um kind of a well-known artist out of the california area keith wiesner keith how you doing this evening Hello. Great. How are you? Pretty good. Now, we didn't get a chance to talk. Normally, I, I, I call the guests a little bit, and we kind of get buddy-buddy on the phone and stuff like that. But uh, you uh-huh. were real busy, and I'm kind of, like, busy. But So I'm delighted that you could make it to the show. And here's how this whole thing came about. Now, I'm familiar with your artwork, okay? And, uh-huh. and it's some pretty groovy stuff, and I want you to get into that in a second. But we actually had a guest on the show last night, or last week, and his, name, it's, uh, his, his name's John, and he works for a company... Or a hot rod shop here in town in Clearwater, Florida, called Roosters um, Hot Rods. Now, yeah. what happened was, is I had to appraise a car for them, and the car was a Brookville built or bodied um, 1931 Ford pickup roadster. So, in okay. and it's a pretty trick piece, and it was a SEMA. Did you get a chance to go to SEMA this year, by any chance? I did not no. okay so at any rate so when we were talking about the car and we talked we had him on the show as guests last week and because they're local guys and stuff and we do that every once in a while and uh, I said, what was the inspiration for that car and he mentioned a Keith Wiesner drawing. So I thought, wow, that would be perfect, because if I time those guys last week and get you on this week, we got a direct connection here. So I thought that would be kind of okay. pretty cool. So go ahead and share with our listeners now a little bit about what you do, how you kind of got started in the list. But I know your bio. I've read it and everything like that, and it's pretty fascinating. And, uh, you know, you're kind of a traditional kind of hot rod kind of guy. But tell it for, our, for our listeners, just kind of go back and give us a little history. Give us like a chronological breakdown.
3: Okay, let's see if I can keep this under five hours. Uh, <laughs> Good. My dad was into hot rods and custom cars, and he was an artist and a pinstriper. And uh, in the '70s, he made his living pinstriping, and uh, that was the main income for our family. And uh, so I got all that from him, basically. So when everyone else was, uh, you know, into whatever was going on in the '70s—custom vans and, and Corvettes and stuff. I mean that was that was interesting too to a 10-year-old me but um i also was keyed into all this really old stuff like hot rods and custom cars from the 40s and 50s because that's what i saw in his old magazines and stuff and then also he was an artist so i wanted to be an artist so uh i ended up wanting to study car design so i went to Arts center college of design in pasadena after high school and um didn't end up going into design, because I got kind of attracted away from it into uh, animation. And the first thing I worked on was Batman Animated Series, which turned out to be pretty much the best thing any anybody I know worked on. So I started at the top, kind of, as far as cartoons, and that's still kind of the coolest thing I worked on. But I did that for 13 years, and then I was also met all these uh, kind of lowbrow artists that were having gallery shows in Hollywood and stuff, and I met... That, that kind of thing, and, and I kind of steered away from design and into this like, wanting to do paintings of this vision of this kind of vintage world that knocked around in my head. So I ended up uh, kind of going with that and, and, and learning how to get my art the way I wanted it, and when I finally was ready to do that, about 2004, I quit animation and started uh, just doing the car show thing full time and that kind of Having gallery shows with my art and selling paintings and drawings and stuff. So anyway, I never really stopped. So here I am.
1: When you uh, let's go back to, to the Art Center College of Design, which um, we've had Pete Brock on our show. I've met Larry Shinoda, uh, Jack Talmanak. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys have gone there, you know, and they went on to yeah. bigger and better things. So for when, mm-hmm. so for, and they always told me that it was really, really difficult for them to get in there, because you had to submit your work, and you had to, you know, it wasn't the easiest uh, school to get into. How was it for you?
3: Oh, it it was, uh, they didn't accept my portfolio right away. I had to take some classes there on the weekend and kind of beef up my portfolio and uh, get it it a little more acceptable to them. So, you know, it took a little while, but I think, uh, you know, I, I think they... It wasn't super hard, I don't think. It was a very hard program to go through. Um, I think it was a lot harder to go through than it was to get in. It's almost like going to medical school where you can see in movies of people just staying up all night and being all red eyed and ragged, you know? <laughs> it was like that, only we had to do like 40 drawings of an Alfa Romeo or something, you know?
1: So when you say you're. Poor... Your portfolio wasn't uh didn't meet with their standards. What 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 was it they were looking for? They want sharpness, crispness, more detail. What were some of the, the things that they expected um, out of you?
3: I think I had a little zipper portfolio with like the plastic pages in it where you could stick stuff under it. And I had a bunch of like ballpoint sketches on like uh like brown napkins and stuff. I used that was just a habit of mine to do that. I had a bunch of those.
2: So and they're like, why well,
3: are you putting napkins in here? You're a doodler. Anyway, that's so. what that's yeah. you
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, I
3: yeah. got it. Yeah, and uh so anyway, I just did I did some little projects in some of their weekend design classes and was able to put more of a design project that looked more like what they wanted to see in the portfolio.
1: Gotcha. So when you said it was yeah. more difficult going through the program, give us some examples of that as well.
3: Well there was, you know, uh you know, what do we have, six classes, and we, each day we had a different class, and then, you know, one one design class, we'd have to design something, like one year it was a drill press, and then I'd team up with somebody, we'd have to build a model of it, we'd have to choose a design, and then build a model of it, and we'd have to team up on building a model of it, and when I say a model, it'd be like, you know, we're milling stuff out of acrylic, and we're making stuff out of whatever we can finish and make and we're we're painting them with automotive paint and bringing them to a high degree of finish and having lettering on it that we have a print shop making the decals and stuff like that it was just really involved you know and uh we'd be up however long it took to get it done and you know sometimes we'd have a very short amount of time to do a really complicated thing so it was kind of a it was kind of like being on The Amazing Race or something, and like <laughs> these two people have to, you know, roller skate across this cobblestone road. It, it would be like that, only we had to build something that we designed, you know.
1: Okay. So. so, so when you when you say build it, so you're saying we had to build this thing to scale? Is that correct? Would that be correct?
3: Well, something like a drill press, we would just make full scale. Oh, okay. But like a you know, like a car design. Uh, you, you would do like a fifth scale model or smaller.
1: Okay. You know? So as far as cars, what was some of the uh, car projects you had to work on? Something that stands well, out that's uh, really exciting that you go, well, that was actually pretty cool And that I look at it. At school, you mean? Yeah. Uh,
3: I, we had a, I, I did an Alfa Romeo project with Freeman Thomas and that was pretty fun because we had one class. We'd take a project and put it in all the classes. So like I had a Freeman Thomas's class, where we would do sketches and design work, but he would he would have us do a certain kind of sketch. Like here, we're going to use newsprint, we're going to use colored gouache and pastel and markers, and it was kind of fun to use these different techniques he would show us. And then and then I'd have a you know regular a more mannered uh, design class. I had like Harry Bradley, and and he he would be more precise and more specific about things and and then uh i i had andy ogden for uh viscom which is visual communication i learned a lot in that class but we do more like uh, highly finished renderings of, of uh art design projects you know well, so I, th- I think that alpha romeo project i did a scale model of it too which i just have pieces of it left
1: so, what's it work like working for someone as notable as as Freeman Thomas? Now I know that there's a lot of well-known people that be, became in you know automotive designers that actually went back and taught at the Art Center. So you had an opportunity to work yeah. with him. So what was that like? What's he like?
3: Oh, he was really nice. It, and it was it was when he was kind of just starting to be a a a known designer mm-hmm. and he had done a few really neat things and he was uh, he was working on. I think at the time that I was going there, he was working on the. He had just done the Volkswagen, the new Beetle, and uh, I think he was starting on the TT, the Audi TT. But that didn't get done till uh, a few years after I was. You know, that was like ninety three or four or
1: something.
3: Huh. I mean, anyway, I'm, I'm yeah, curious.
1: Uh, I'm curious about that because Jay May. Who ultimately worked on the on the, the S197 Mustangs? So it was uh, mm. um, in the early 2000s era, so a 95 to 99 production car. But I believe he worked on the Volkswagen program. Was Jay May involved in the Art Center? Yeah, it,
3: it was. Well, no, I didn't know him, but yeah, Jay May's was uh, worked worked with Freeman Thomas on a few things. Okay, and I think that, I think the uh, I'm trying to remember who the TT was like. I forget who it's accredited to generally, but I might. It, but it was Freeman Thomas and Toby Gillis that did, I think, main, mainly the uh, the Audi TT, as far as I could gather. Okay. So I haven't read everything about it, but anyway.
1: So then, um, it, but how'd the Batman thing come out about about for you? The Batman animation series.
3: It was kind of accidental. I, I just a friend of mine told me. That i should go apply there at warner brothers and i thought well i don't have any animation experience why would they you know hire me and uh she said no 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 it's, it's perfect you should go do it and i was like hmm, okay i was completely taking her word for it and i i took my portfolio there and i try i was trying out for this tasmanian devil show
0: <laughs>
3: and, uh, meanwhile i'm looking around the hallway and i'm seeing all the, vehicle designs and character designs for batman animated series because they they were about a year into developing it and uh i was like wow what is this you know
0: Uh and then
3: one of the directors kind of pulled me into his office and hey what are you doing you know let's see that you know and uh i showed him my portfolio and they're like why don't you do a test for us instead and uh so i did that and then they hired me and so i just i started on batman pretty quickly doing backgrounds
1: no kidding no kidding well now that had to be kind of cool because that was a little on the futuristic mid-century level there Is that what kind of got you into that uh that uh, interested in that style
3: oh not exactly it, it, batman was more they called it dark deco it was like a oh, okay. like sort of a gothic version of art deco it was supposed to be sort of like the late 30s early 40s okay. but but with computers and jets and stuff so it's like kind of modernish, but with the styling of an Art Deco type of thing.
1: Okay. Yeah. Still machine so, uh, age a little bit there, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So you did that for how many years? Then what? Till the early two thousands, right? You said.
3: Uh, two thousand four. Okay. Yeah, kind of, kind of off and on. They would do another season or two, and then I, I did all the action adventure stuff. They they came up with uh, Superman and Batman Beyond and Justice League. Oh um, wow! I mean, they did other stuff after I was gone too that I wasn't really involved with, so I don't, don't really know much about it. But um, those were the shows I mainly did, and I'd go to other studios when there was nothing going on. And I'd worked on uh, the Felix the Cat thing
1: and uh, uh, Felix.
2: A thing the at cat? Disney called. Jesus. Yeah. Oh wow!
1: Yeah, <laughs> you're naming all it the stuff called... that I grew up with. Okay, you know, I, I'm just. Well,
3: it was called the. I don't even know what it's called, like The New Crazy Adventures of Felix the Cat. It's a really long title uh-huh. to differentiate it from the original, but it was sort of a psychedelic slash uh, Fleischer style uh-huh. uh, version of of uh, Felix the Cat. But they're all on YouTube. I, I I never saw them when I was working on it. I watched a few of them a couple of years ago.
1: So when you were a kid... Now, you're you're about 10 years younger than me, but they're still in the 60s, um, and even into the early 70s. Saturdays was the days we all stayed home, and we watched cartoons from like about 9 o'clock till about noon. And then the monster movies came on for a couple hours, and then we went out and played. So were you one of those kids that was like uh, glued to the boob tube and then uh, on Saturdays, and, and that kind of inspired yeah, you a well, as far as your drawing and stuff?
3: Yeah, probably late 70s to I don't know like 81 or two or something then I was a little too old for to be interested in that so I you know wouldn't wouldn't do that anymore but yeah probably mid mid 70s to early 80s I, I would watch Saturday morning stuff it wasn't the like golden age of animation by any stretch yeah but uh, you know it was just uh, you know you're a little kid you don't care but uh um, you know it was all those like talking dune buggy things and stuff like that you know <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: but uh it, it wasn't like you know like the the 40s and 50s and uh, okay. that was amazing stuff
1: but so, yeah i still was interested okay cool so w- did you ever build models when you were a kid car models plane models hot rods anything like that
3: yeah yeah mainly yeah hot rod and custom uh model cars because uh, my dad would do that and he had old ones that he built in the late 50s and 60s and they were all hanging around the house and i would always get when i could when i could get my parents to buy me one because i think a model kit was like five or six dollars then it seemed like a lot of money then uh-huh. but uh anyway it was a big deal for them okay we'll buy you a model it was like the thing i was always talking about you know so then but, yeah
1: so, okay, so now you leave Warner Brothers and you say, you know what, I think it's time for me to kind of go out on my own. So what are some of the early drawings that you did? Oh, no, I know what I wanted to ask you real quick before I forget. Um, so mm-hmm. when you were working with Warner Brothers and you're doing the drawings, what do they do? Do they give you, like, a script that you kind of have to go by? I mean, how do, they, how do, they, how do you determine what you have to draw and how you're going to draw it? Well, how, what's the process there? Well,
3: Sometimes I would start with a script. If it's early on and they need some direction, I would read a script and I would do some set pieces and give it to the storyboard artist and then they would write around what I had drawn. And uh, But usually, just run-of-the-mill episodes, I get a storyboard that's completely spelled out and I just get a... There's a hallway or there's front of a building and, and I just have to make it look cool. You know, it's like already pretty much there's a hallway or the road goes this way or what, you know. So I'm just styling it, you know. But sometimes I would do a lot of development for something, you know.
1: All right. Did you have to, like, uh, converse with somebody and say, look, I'm going to do this? I mean, did you have to conceptualize and have to get direction from somebody? Or did you pretty much have the leeway to just kind of say, I'm going to do this, this is what it's going to be, and this is what I'm submitting?
3: Well, I I would talk to the director, and and, uh, we'd figure out what they wanted it to be. And sometimes they didn't know sometimes they would know Uh, one of the more interesting ones was the mask of the phantasm feature which is a released in theaters it was a feature-length batman movie and um that was a thing where none of us were working on the you know the the season was over and we started working on that so uh everyone was kind of all hands on deck to, to just do whatever to get this thing figured out so uh i would hang out with the writers and and talk to them about what kind of stuff's going to happen and they're going to be this showdown at the end and we're trying we're thinking it might be this kind of thing and i don't know if i'm the first person to said it but i was really into the 1939 world's fair and i know i was pitching that hard and i did a bunch of sketches of it and they ended up putting that in the movie but i might not have been the first person to mention it but I definitely had a lot of material on it and was doing a lot of drawings on that subject. So but there's a lot of times when I suggest something and they'd go, Oh, okay, and they'd write it into the story and then I'd end up designing it, and that was always kind of exciting.
1: Wow, 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 that's great. Did, when when in the movies did you get you know how they always run credits? Did you get any credits in there? was was your name mentioned written in there anywhere? Yeah, just for background design. Okay, that's cool. That's kind of neat, too. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's go to 2004, and you're on your own, and you're out there kind of like, uh, okay, what's next?
3: Well, it kind of overlapped. Like, I was already selling prints of my artwork at, at car shows and stuff, so I'd already had that other career
0: mm-hmm. going.
3: I just launched into it heavier.
0: Okay. So I didn't really
3: start doing it then. I just didn't. And I'd been doing artwork in the hot rod field, since way before I went to college or anything like that. I, I The first thing I had published was in Street Rider Magazine in 1983 when oh, I was wow. like 13 or 14. And uh, so I was pretty young. And uh, that was because my dad worked for Street Rider for a while, but not till later, like uh, late 80s. Uh-huh. But he knew people that worked there and he would contribute things once in a while. And he kind of got me to do some stuff for, for them. So I had pretty early exposure to to that kind of thing to getting artwork printed in car magazines so i've been been at it for a while
1: Um, so, what is like your specialty? In other words, you know, because I, I referenced mid-century, and the reason I brought that up was, is because uh, I personally grew up in the '60s, late '50s, early '60s. So, I'm kind of, and I'm from Northern Cal, so I'm kind of a mid-century fanatic. You know, I mean, Iker built a lot of homes. I'm a huge Lloyd Wright fan. I wanted to be an architect. At one point, I wanted to design cars. and wanted to go to the Art Center because, in growing up in California, we all know about that. In fact, growing up in Northern California in the '60s. As far as we're concerned, there wasn't anywhere else to go in the world. That was it. California was the place. We had everything. You know, we had mountains, we had snow, we had hot rods and sports cars. You know, that was it. And um, so that was pretty cool. I mean, that was kind of how I was influenced back then. But at any rate, so I, when I looked at your drawings, and uh, you know, aside from the really hot looking babes that you put in there, which are you know kind of very attractive, and everything you do. Um, Keith is extremely tasteful, you know, and and I got it and the colors and the visuals and if you kind of, you know, are in the traditional hot rods, and you know like the way you have the cars, the way the wheels, the tires, the stance, all that stuff, you know, even the futuristic stuff, you know, the the kind of Jetson looking stuff that you incorporate in there sometimes, really groovy mm-hmm. stuff. I mean that's probably the best way to say it, groovy, you know, because that's kind of a 60s term, <laughs> and it is, and uh, yeah. so. Is, so is that, as an artist, you draw from the soul, correct? I mean, it comes from within. And is is that kind of like your inspiration? I mean, is that, you know, it's it comes from within and that's, you you go the direction that you want to go?
3: Yeah, I'm kind of making a movie of all the stuff that's in my head. Okay. You know, it's kind of cinematic. It's like, uh, I, I look at this, these things I do as kind of a little slice of life or a little snapshot from a, cinematic thing you know and, and uh it's just yeah it all comes from stuff you're inspired by and uh you take the, the best things you want to see and put them together and sometimes there's mundane things too though it's not all like sometimes somebody will do a car and they'll put it in front of the neatest gas station ever with the neatest sunset ever with the you know and when i look at something like the rotter's journal layout it's like you know they'll have a a really beautiful Riviera against like a crummy wall with an electrical box or something that's broken, and it, there's a contrast and there's a there's a beauty in that too. So yeah. I, I put a lot of that kind of thing in too. So it's not always like the best of the best. Sometimes it's like you know oh that's kind of an electrical box with the line going up to the roof, and then that's behind the slick car that's all reflective, and you know
1: so. when you when you mentioned inspiration so I was going to ask you that so like there's a little I see a little Sid Mead in some of your stuff too were you were you influenced by his work sure yeah yeah that was always stuff that
3: I saw here and there when I was growing up uh, and I was always really amazed by it and still am but um yeah definitely an influence you
1: know um so like when you when you when you talk about other people that have had some influence on you, you know, I mean like um who would they be? You know, I mean outside of your dad, you know, obviously he got you into it. And when you were younger, was was the art, the drawing, was that kind of a a natural thing for you? That it, were you kind of good at it right out of the gate so to speak or did you really have to work at it?
3: Well, I was good at certain things pretty early, but I didn't know how to draw like People, I used to trace people out of Mad Magazine oh. and just kind of practice, and and I, I would like, like God, it just seemed like magic to me. And then I, I met somebody in junior high that was really good at drawing people, and he taught me some stuff then. And, and that, I think it was eighth grade when I kind of stepped up, like I, I got a little bit better, you know, or a lot better in the span of that year. Because I had an art class, and there was a bunch of people that were interesting. They were in the art class, that were good. And we, you know, kind of push each other to do, learn from me, whatever, who did something better, we, we'd we learn from them, you know.
1: Okay. Yeah, you
3: bounce and off was, each other, uh, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that was a big year of improvement for me.
1: All right. So, how about as a 16 year old, now it's time to get a driver's license and drive cars? What kind of car did you have when you were 16? Oh boy, uh, city bus, <laughs>
0: city um, bus.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I, I didn't. I had a bunch of old. My dad had a bunch of old cars that were in the backyard that, at the time, nothing really worked, and uh, I had a. He got a couple of shoebox Fords, and we were both messing around with them for a while, and then when I got my license, I would just borrow their. Uh, borrow my my dad had a Toyota pickup then so I would borrow that but it was nothing interesting you know but uh, I, I had that that chopped for he started to chop it and then he kind of lost interest in it and I was just gaining interest and I took a body shop course and learned how to weld and learned how to bang out dents and do filler and primer and paint and stuff and um so I got going on that 50 that he kind of neglected and Finished the top on it and I, you know i made a lot of mistakes though so. but uh when i started working at warner brothers and i had a little more means i uh towed it up to um well i had somebody build a flathead for it i had a nice seat made for it and then i then it was drivable and i took it to scott gildner in uh van Nuys, and he he replaced a part of the roof that i tried to weld up and straightened out a few things and i did some drawings of what i wanted it to look like he ended up doing that whole car for me and
1: i still have that well cool cool now and so and uh so now there's a picture of you driving looks like a a 32 ford roadster um online i saw kind of a burgundy colored one so like that's your oh I, i have a 29 model a with with a halic windshield that's, oh, okay. That's my roadster. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. twenty nine. All right. So it's a Model A. All right, mm-hmm. cool. And so now, do you still build cars a little bit here and there? Then?
3: Well, I haven't really messed with stuff in a while because uh, I have uh, two little girls now, so that's kind of taken my attention. That's and um, I did have the roadster completely restored about five years ago uh, by Lucky Burton because it got wrecked. About God, it's been about eight years ago got wrecked Uh and uh so he he, lucky took it and just completely you know from the ground up made it a really nice car so i have that and uh i just got a t roadster that i haven't started on uh i just don't have it's hard to get stuff right now like i was was gonna just order wheels and tires for it you can't get anything right now you know Hmm. so it's kind of uh stalled out a little but uh and I have a 59 Ford Ranchero that I drive a lot. Oh, good. That's cool. Uh,
1: well, I'll be said, We got about 30 seconds left. Are your okay. little girls influenced by you and do they like cars and do they like artwork?
3: Yeah, I think they they like they have a pretty broad thing things they're interested in, but they do like my old cars and and they do like art and and they they always want to draw. So, uh, you know, I think they they, they like trying to do what dad does, you know, That's cool. Uh, who, who knows? I mean, they're, they're going to pick up a lot from their
1: mom and me and
3: every, you know, I'm sure they'll do the best of either both of us.
1: <laughs> okay. They go to car shows with yeah. dad. Not
3: yet, Not yet. They're kind of a handful. So, uh, you know, all I can do to pull off being a, you know, having my booth and selling my stuff <laughs> and probably when they're old enough to, to, to help me, they'll, they'll be, uh, slave labor for me, yeah, you know, but
1: uh, <laughs> not yet. Okay, well, Keith, what I'll, right I'll it, be like Ed Roth. <laughs> I'll be like Ed Roth. I met yeah. one of the kids. I can't remember which one it was and he was telling the stories. In fact, we had him on the show, one of the sons. I can't remember which one it was, uh-huh. but they were pretty amazing stories. But anyway, we're up against the clock here, so here's what I want you to do, Keith. People want to find mm-hmm. out more about you. How do they go about doing it?
3: Well, uh, my Instagram is uh, keithwiesner1958. And that's got a link to my store where all my artwork is. So that's kind of the main thing. And it's uh, uh, Keith com is where all my uh, prints and originals and stuff are right now.
1: Wow, that sounds good. Hey, do you ever make a trip out here to Florida, or you just uh, pretty much hang out in the SoCal crowd?
3: I've traveled a lot, but I've never made it to Florida. But I, I do have a lot of friends in Florida right now, so who knows?
1: All right, you well, know, we'll we'll have
3: to... The they got to, talk
1: to your shows yeah, they got some good rockabilly shows here and stuff like that. But anyway, Keith, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It was a, tri- uh, a real treat, and I look forward to meeting you someday. And uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Okay, great, great, great. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars and my special guest, Keith Wiesner. Don't forget to check out his artwork. Pretty cool stuff. And don't forget, there's a lot of car shows coming up this week, next week, the week after... Well, it's going to be going for the next four or five months while we got this great weather here in Florida. So, that means get out and drive, and hopefully I'll see you at some of the car shows and stuff like that. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. In your arms.
0: Country in your- UTAN Clearwater. FM, 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM, 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM, 104.3. Listen. UVA shooting suspect caught.
1: This is an extraordinarily difficult day for our community.